Good evening, everybody, and welcome to episode number eight of Imprint Cast, the podcast dedicated to the Australian boutique label Imprint. My name is Tony Meters, and joining me is my regular colleague, John Matthews. How are you going, John? Uh, good, doing well. Thank you, Tony. That's good. And also joining us is our regular Ryan Kendall. How are you going, Ryan? I'm good. I'm poor. I'm sore. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I think we all are after this. <laughs> And um, excuse me. I'm um, also joining us is another regular who hasn't been on for quite a while, and it's great to have him back, Mr. William Rodley. How you going, good sir? Always a pleasure to be here, my brilliant friends. Thank you very much. I was on my sabbatical. You know, we have to take these time away from stuff to sort of involve ourselves with the universe. So it's a pleasure to be back. Oh, it's great. It's always a pleasure to have you back. Today we will be discussing. The imprint August releases, and my goodness, there's quite a lot. But before we get to the August releases, this last week, the the imprint May releases were released, and um, boy, are they doing they're doing very well. Um, did you did all you get the Warriors? Nah. <laughs> no. <laughs> nah. No. No. I'll I'll find it. You'll find okay. it eventually. Okay. I got the Wicker Man. Well, that's good. The Wicker Man's great. And also, um, yeah, I know John, well, John and I, we both went, we both got everything together. So that's all good. Yeah, we did a split, which is good. We did do a split. um, I found the Silver Screams box set too. I thought that was sold out. It it is on the imprint site, but I'm glad you found one because that's a a good one. A few copies in the wild. Yeah, yeah. I saw one at um, JB once. I was like, oh, I thought that was gone. I'll take it now. Rabbit. Why not? Uh, William, did you get um, Warriors? I, of course, I had to. I had to get it. I didn't want. I did not want to miss out on it. It's you know truly a, a one of a set piece thing. We finally got the theatrical cut. We don't have that horrible director's cut anymore. So well, we kind of do because it is included in that set. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but we can ignore that. <laughs> but who will watch it? I know a lot of people. I know some people will, but I think. Counting, I think the I think I can safely say with the four of us, we won't be watching any. We won't be watching the director's cut, except the the supplements, of course. Bonus coaster included. <laughs> and um, the neo noir set. Wow, that's 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 another popular one. Yeah, that, that's, that's a yeah, that's a good set. Uh, that will probably sell out. I'm sure. So. I think it will. Um, that's popular yeah. because it's good for a buy one get one free. <laughs> 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 oh goodness, JB Hi-Fi did well on that sale. That's all I can say. They and up. um, mm. yeah, like um, I've only saw only one movie on that box set so far, One False Move, and I absolutely can't believe I haven't seen it earlier. Uh, yeah, John, have you watched any of those? Any of the yeah, noir film? Funny enough, last night I watched um, uh, After Dark, My Sweet, um, or the, the first one in the set. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is good. It's really good. I was pleasant. I'd never even seen it or heard of it. And the cast, and it's a really great sort of kidnapping, sort of Coen Brothers style, things go wrong type movie. But it's not Coen Brothers, but it feels like it. It's really, really good. Mm. But yeah, they're all great movies in that set. So um, that's why I reckon that it will probably go soon. But I'm, I'm working. Oh, no doubt. Like, um, when I, like I saw um, One False Move for the first time, and I could not believe how, how beautiful it was. I absolutely loved it. Very violent, as expected, but it was, but it is, a, but it was very good. Yeah, yeah, and the the cast as well looks 
Oh, Bill Paxton, absolutely. Yep. He's yeah, a, Billy Bob Thornton, yes. Billy Bob Thornton, who also co-wrote it, which is great. Yeah, yeah so I'll, I'll be, yes, I'm working my way in numeric order, but I can't wait to get yeah. that. Yeah, you'll love it. All righty. Now we have finished discussing the May releases. We shall get started on, get on to business, the August 2022 releases. So I'll start off with the first batch. Um Imprint number 147, On the Beach, from 1959. If you never see another motion picture in your life, you must see On the Beach. The war is over, nobody won. Only the inhabitants of Australia and the men of the US submarine Sawfish have escaped the nuclear destruction and radiation. Captain Dwight Towers, played by Gregory Peck, takes the sawfish on a mission to see if an approaching radiation cloud has weakened, but returns with grim news. The cloud is lethal. With the days and hours dwindling, each person confronts the grim situation in his or her own way. The final chapter of human history is coming to a close. From acclaimed director Stanley Kramer, from the Defiant, who did The Defiant Ones and Inherit the Wind, and screenwriter John Paxton, comes a spectacular movie landmark film masterpiece with a message that will resonate as long as the world has the power to self-destruct at its own fingertips. Starring Gregory Peck, Ava Gardner, Fred Astaire, Anthony Perkins, and Donna Anderson. Limited two-disc hard box edition with unique artwork, photo booklet, and featuring Lawrence Johnston's featured documentary, Fallout. Only limited to 1,000 copies. Special features and technical specs are Disc 1 on the beach, 1080p high-definition presentation on Blu-ray, a new audio commentary by film scholar Adrian Martin, audio commentary written by on-the-beach expert Dr. Philip Davey, read by actor Douglas Hansel from 2015, newly discovered outtakes of scenes, location footage and costume tests, New video essay by Kat Ellinger. New interview with Kim Newman. New video essay from costume historian Alyssa Rose. Making on the beach rare 8mm amateur footage from 1959. Donna Anderson interview from 2015. Stanley Kramer's photo album, image gallery, optional descriptive text. Original lobby cards, which is from image gallery. Costume Stills, 16 Image Gallery, National and International Poster Gallery, Big Stars Arrive in Melbourne, Original Newsreel from 1958, Gamblin' Manu, Promotional Short, Original Theatrical Trailer, Original Radio Spots, Original Aspect Ratio of 166 by 1, Audio English LPCM 2.0 Mono, and optional English hard of hearing subtitles. Wow, that was just disc one. And disc two is the documentary of Fallout, which includes a 1080p high definition presentation on Blu-ray. Fallout, Lawrence Johnston's 2013 feature documentary on the novel and Hollywood movie of On the Beach. A new interview with director Lawrence Johnston. The original theatrical trailer. Original aspect ratio is to be, de class to be determined and the audio is English to be determined. Quite a set. 
Um, yes, um, I haven't seen On the Beach for quite a while, but I'm looking forward to watching this one again. Um, John, what do you think of um, On the Beach? Have you seen it? No, I haven't. No, it's one I've heard of and I know of it. Uh, but yeah, not one I've, I haven't seen. So I'm very, very keen to check it out. Um, I remember the book was, I think we had to cover the book in in English and maybe in high school for memory. I think we did cover it one term. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a film I've always wanted to see. And uh, just once again, never got around to it. Maybe just availability. Um, but yeah, look, looks looks great. I mean, great cast, the pre-Psycho Perkins um, set in Australia, post-apoc. So yeah, and it's obviously, you know, being directed by the great Stanley Kramer. So yeah. this is one that I really, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to check out. Definitely. Uh, Ryan, how about you? I so want to see. I thought I had this because I'm pretty sure I saw like a DVD of this in like an op shop like two weeks ago and I didn't pick it up, but I thought I did. <laughs> and then this got announced. I was like, ah, oh, sick. <laughs> Someone knew it was coming. <laughs> but um, no, it's cool because um, it was, I saw Alyssa Rose on Facebook saying that like she did the commentary and all that. And mm. it's all like beaches I've been to, like down near Frankston Way and all that. And Frankston was a dodgy area. Probably not back in this time, but, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s, Frankston was a bit dodgy. It's a bit cleaned up now. But, um, no, it's kind of cool, especially in, like, Australia, that, like, a film was, uh, like, a kind of like a Hollywood production film was made in, like, your neighbourhood. Mm. Kind of cool. And, you know, Gregory Peck, my boy. Stanley Kramer, my boy. I love, I want to see more Anthony Perkins. I like to see films of like you know we all know him from psycho and my ear psycho's cool and all that but i want to see what else he's done so same with alan alder we know yeah. him from ash but i want to see him from other stuff too and he's like a great actor of so course. i i'm interested for sure and uh, william how about you yeah definitely keen to see this obviously it's based on the neville shoots book from 1957 and it's filmed in australia so straight away it's something you want to see because obviously it's got a resonation there for us because we can see stuff that we know and it's an apocalyptic film there they're waiting for the end of the world for everybody just to pass away and die um there's no one to blame in the movie for who started or what it seems to be like an accident per se so they're standing there on the beaches just waiting for the world to end so it's it's, it's a really interesting film. The cast is great. You've got a top-notch director. So it's something really interesting to see. I'm really interested to see it. I saw it many years ago on TV back in the day with all the ads and stuff, which took away a deal from it. So mm. I'm really keen to see it as like a straight film. Uh, it's like set in 1964, <laughs> the future. Um, but, yeah, no, it, it's great cast, great film, great director. As always, Imprint just bringing us these gems and just going here. And as always, they bring first-class treatment to it, and that's why they're selling so well. Mm -hmm. So truly impressive set. I'm really looking forward to having it in my hands. I'm looking forward to it also. I'm a huge Stanley Kramer fan. My, my top two Kramer films will always be um, Judgment at Nuremberg and, of course, the classic comedy, It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. <laughs> they're yeah. my... They're my yeah. ultimate Kramer films because I believe both because both of them stars my one of my favourite actors of the of the golden age, um, Spencer Tracy. Yeah. And, um, yeah, those movies are just phenomenal, and I really can't wait to see On the Beach again. 
I think William, I, I think I was with you. I'm like with you, William. I watched it on television, but it did lose its impact. But it'll be good to watch on on Blu-ray. I I love the two choices of film you gave there to him as well. It's such a distinct screen from where he does. Like there's extreme comedy and this extreme drama. Like it's yeah. a world is so good such a great cast so many amazing people and Nimmerberg is just such a really bang film so yeah he's he a great director he is he's done so many and uh he also did uh, all the uh guess who's coming to dinner as well which is a classic yeah, yeah. Guess coming to dinner yeah. yeah another one so he's he's very diverse in his filmmaking and very groundbreaking with films like guess who's coming to dinner so uh, this this one in particular, just just like I said, I, I'm really keen to check it out. It just sounds something that's really uh, a, a bit, uh, you know, a bit bit out there for talking about sort of post-apoc, you know, almost in a way. So yeah, it's, it's one that I'm I'm really keen to check out. Yeah, uh, Ryan, do you have any favorite Kramer films? Kramer films, Mad 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 by World, for sure. Even the parody, Simpsons parody is great. <laughs> um, <laughs> the giant T. Yeah, <laughs> I'll get you, boy. <laughs> Don't dig up with. <laughs> oh, they were great. But yeah, yeah those no. two are definitely my favorite Kramer films. But there was like so, but there's so many others like Ship of Fools as well, and um, yeah, true. And Inherit the Wind, but but those two are my top. But I can't. But I'm looking forward to Defiant on Ones is great. Ones, yeah. Yes, Defiant Ones, of course. Oh, you've got High Noon, of course, the K Mutiny. Uh, High Noon, yeah. Bless the Beast and Children is brilliant. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Well done. That's a great one. Yeah. Um, The Wild One, yeah. Obviously, he's got a resonation with people and stuff, what he's done, because it's, what he does is so good. Mm. He did The Sniper, too, and the old um, thing. Was it Columbia Free? Yeah, Columbia Free. Oh, the Sniper. Oh, yes. My apologies. I do know that film. It's great. Yeah. yeah. And he did that record uh, RPM as well. Yeah, RPM, yeah. Which was uh, 5,000 nice. Fingers of Dr. T. <gasps> yeah. What happened that? You know, well, it's just imprint and fucking Kramer. That's all it is, you know. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot. Yeah. No, he's, he's really good. He's, he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He sure does. All righty. Yeah. I just want to quickly mention that the box looks really nice. The artwork on the and yes. it's, it's a big box too, so it's yeah, it's one of the warriors oh, yeah. boxes. So yeah, it's going to stand out. Oh yeah. yes, definitely, it is going to stand out. Interesting with this Fallout doco too. Yeah, oh, yes, be intrigued. Alrighty, um, up next is another box set, but I've got to say these are my favourite box sets of the imprint releases. Um, I'm a huge fan of Film Noir. And it's about time that Essential Foire, film, Foire. <laughs> Foire. Essential Film Noir Volume 3 will be out also. Essential Film Noir Volume 3. Imprint collection number 148 to number 151. Limited four-disc hardbox edition with unique artwork on the first 1,000 copies. Essential Film Noir Collection 3 includes four more acclaimed and much sought-after classics, including The Strange Love of Martha Ivers from 1946, No Man of Her Own from 1950, The Turning Point from 1952, and The Desperate Hours from 1955. 
limited four disc hard box edition with unique artwork on the first 1000 copies. Imprint collection number 148, The Strange Love of Martha Ivers from 1946. In 1928, young heiress Martha Ivers fails to run off with friend Sam Masterson and is involved in fatal events. Years later, Sam returns to find Martha, the power behind Iverstown, and married to good boy Walter O'Neill, now district attorney. At first, Sam is more interested in displaced blonde Tony Marachek than in his boyhood friends, but they draw him into a convoluted web of plotting and cross-purposes. This film noir classic is superbly directed by Lewis Milestone with an outstanding performance by Kirk Douglas in his film debut. Special features and technical specs include a 1080p high definition presentation on Blu-ray, a new audio commentary by noir expert and film noir foundation board member Alan K. Road, Barbara Stanwyck, straight down the line, 50 minute documentary. Introduction with Kirk Douglas and Alan Road. New video essay on Barbara Stanwyck by Kat Ellinger. A new video interview on Barbara Stanwyck by Alan Road. Theatrical trailer. Original aspect ratio of 137 by 1. Audio English LPCM 2.0 mono. And optional English subtitles. Imprint collection number 149. No Man of Her Own from 1950. A woman is torn between a comfortable lie and the painful truth in this classic film noir. Screen legend Barbara Stanwyck assumes another woman's identity after surviving a train accident in this haunting drama based on a Cornell Woolrich under the pseudonym William Irish novel, I Married a Dead Man. Eventually, her past catches up to her when her crooked ex-lover, played by Lyle Bettiger, arrives in town demanding money to keep her true identity a secret. Beautifully photographed by legendary cinematographer Daniel L. Fapp from The Big Clock and directed by Mitchell Leeson, who directed Midnight. It's a premiere Blu-ray release worldwide. Special features and technical specs include a 1080p high-definition presentation on Blu-ray, a new audio commentary with film historian Drew Casper, No Man of Her Own, the Screen Director's Playhouse radio drama starring Barbara Stanwyck and Lyle Bettiger, New interview with writer, broadcaster and journalist Barry Forshaw. New video essay on Mitchell Leeson by Kat Ellinger. Theatrical trailer. Original aspect ratio of 133 by 1. Audio English LPCM 2.0 mono. Optional English hard of hearing subtitles. Imprint collection number 150. The Turning Point from 1952. Prosecutor John Conroy played by Edmund O'Brien, is determined to bring down organised crime in his Midwestern town. He looks to his father, Matt, played by Tom Tully, a police officer for help, but Matt refuses. John's childhood friend, Jerry McKibben, played by William Holden, an investigative reporter, senses something fishy. Premier Blu-ray release worldwide. Special features and technical specs include a 1080p high-definition presentation on Blu-ray, a new audio commentary by noir expert and film noir foundation board member Alan K. Road. New interview with writer, broadcaster and journalist Barry Forshaw. Original aspect ratio of 137 by 1. Audio English LPCM 2.0 mono. 
with optional English hard of hearing subtitles. And lastly, imprint collection number 151, The Desperate Hours from 1955. Director William Wyler's suspense classic marks the only time cinema giants Humphrey Bogart and Frederick March work together. And the result is everything you'd expect. Taut, terrifying and terrific. Bogart plays an escaped con who has nothing to lose. March is a suburban everyman who has everything to lose as his family is held hostage by Bogart. As the desperate hours tick by, the two men square off in a battle of wills and cunning that tightens into an unforgettable fear-drenched finale. Premiere Blu-ray release worldwide. Special features and technical specs include 1080p high-definition presentation on Blu-ray, a new audio commentary with film historian Kevin Lyons, a new interview with writer, broadcaster and journalist Barry Forshaw, theatrical trailer, original aspect ratio 178 by 1, audio English LPCM 2.0 mono, and optional English hard of hearing subtitles. I can't wait to dig into this set, especially with um, the movies of No Man of Her Own and The Turning Point. I've seen The Desperate Hours a while ago, but I remember enjoying every minute of it. But I have not seen The Strange Love of Martha Ivers. I'm really intrigued for all four. Um, John, what about you? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for this. I've loved all the volumes so far. Volume 1 and, and Volume 2 were great. Um, some real gems. Um, and obviously on the other side of the pond in the UK, obviously they're doing indicators, doing their in, uh, noir series. So yeah. it's great to see noir get a resurgence and because there's so much out there that, that needs to be discovered and stuff sitting in vaults. And it's a genre that keeps on giving because, uh, you know, certain other genres, I feel like, you know, horror and stuff, Like I think I've hit a wall with a lot of that stuff because I've, I don't want to sound snobbish, but I feel you feel like you've kind of seen everything. But with noir... It's always just giving new and amazing discoveries um, from the catalogue. So, so, yeah, so, so like yourself, um, you know, No Man of Her and Turning Point of Two, I'm, I'm very keen on. Um, I have seen Desperate Hours, uh, the, the original. It, it, it's a really good film. Um, I'm shocked, but the original is not available on Blu-ray anywhere, which, I mean, this this is the reason to get this set because that film is is an absolute masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Um, reason the the remakes more available the the bloody michael chimino's um yeah, 1990s desperate hours <laughs> remake anthony hopkins and mickey rourke and oh. it's like yeah uh, it's okay but it's jesus okay. desperate hour just walks all over it for god's sakes frederick yeah, you Martin, were... you've got bloody humphrey bogart oh, it's yeah. like chalk and cheese i know what they tried to set out to do but yeah it's a it's a no <laughs> no, no the remake just see the original you'd be sorted but uh no it's yeah it, it looks like a great set so this is one i'll be digging into immediately as soon as i get it desperate hours one of humphrey bogart's last films yes it is yeah yeah i think it's it 50 yeah it's like mid 50 so died in 57 yeah, yeah so yeah yeah you're looking forward to that set ryan yeah for sure um it's um ones that haven't been released on by indicator yet so that's good <laughs> yeah exactly i was i kind of just like giggle at myself when it said like um hard box edition with unique artwork and it's still the same picture of um kurt douglas's chin on the box <laughs> <laughs> for all of them 
So I'm like, sick. <laughs> More chin. <laughs> yeah. Like, as you said, John, film noir is definitely getting a resurgence, especially um, more recently. Um, Guillermo del Toro did a remake of, um, uh, did a film noir movie recently. Nightmare Alley. The remake, of, the remake of Nightmare Alley, which I thought was phenomenal. That got a main, like, it, that was a big studio film, so hopefully more comes back. Yeah, unfortunately, it was a failure, which, 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 which is terrible, but... Um, but both the but both the original and remake of Nightmare Alley were fantastic. I, they were like, they were they were phenomenal films. And he's hoping film noir will get more of a better resurgence, as you said. We didn't ask you, William, what you thought of the set. I'm definitely keen for oh, yes. any noir stuff. As you guys have already stated, it, it needs more love. And as you said, also we've got the indicator stuff coming through. Kino Library are also bringing it on with their stuff as well. Um, that box set is a must-have. Um, the one I'm most desperate for, Boom Tish, is the Desperate Hours, even though I've seen it again. And the others I haven't seen, but it is such a great film. So, And as John said earlier, why has this not been released on Blu-ray beforehand? So Imprint, just doing it. Great mm. stuff, guys. Brilliant. Absolutely. Alrighty, um, Ryan, did you would you like to start off with the next title? Yeah, for sure. All right, the next title is "I Am the Law," released in 1938, and it's number 153. Hoodlums have no guts. Watch me prove it. Law Professor Robinson is named special prosecutor assigned to put an end to gangster activity in the city. Civil leader Beale who got Robinson his job, is involved in the rackets and wants to control Robinson's investigation. Everyone Robinson's office persuades to testify turns up dead. First uh, Blu-ray release worldwide, starring Edward G. Robinson, Barbara O'Neill and John Beale. Special features are uh, 1080p high-def presentation on Blu-ray, new audio commentary with professor and film scholar Jason A. Nay, uh, trailer aspect ratio one and thirty three to one. Uh, audio English LPCM two mono. Uh, optional English subtitles and limited edition slipcase for the first thousand copies for unique artwork. And with a little bit of trivia, the character of John V. Lindsay is based on Thomas E. Dowie. The New York prosecutor whose success in fighting organized crime won him the Republican nomination for president against FDR. Oh. There you go. Yeah, indeed. Looks, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, love um, Edward G. Robinson, of course, known for his gangster films like Little Caesar. Um, that's probably his most popular one. And there's just so he's done so many movies. He did 101, actually. And. Um, of course, his last film is um, Soylent Green, which was a which was a scary classic. And um, Barbara O'Neill, who was who probably is well known for um, playing Skyler Harris's mother in Gone with the Wind, and oh, but hmm. she also but she did a phenomenal performance in the Betty Davis film from 1940 called All This in Heaven Too, which she was nominated for an Academy Award. That performance was for me that was unforgettable more unforgettable than Gone with the Wind. Mm. I'm really looking forward to this one because I've never seen this one. I'm really intrigued. Uh, John, how about you? Uh, yeah, no, one I've 
I've never seen. So very excited uh, because I like these sort of 30s, uh, I guess, sort of gangster era pitches, which were big at the time, um, especially the pre-code ones. I think this is maybe post-code, but it's still, I'm sure it'll be a, a rough, fun film um, for its time, especially, you know, imprint release Scarface, the original, which I thought was just, I, I'd seen it before, but I just thought it was an absolute masterpiece. So more of these... Mm. 30s gangster films um and you know speaking of noir obviously you know um you know, bogart showed up in a lot of these sort of older films just as a sort of background extra here and there or a thug mm. so there's a whole lot of them they can go through and um, something really bizarre now I, I thought i thought this had been released before but it hasn't i think this is a, a first release but in the john ford box there's a film called the whole town's talking which has a very similar artwork and i thought i was seeing things and seeing doubles oh, yeah yeah it's like some guy with his fist and, uh, and i mm. thought it was the same film but it's not it's a different film maybe they were just sharing the artwork around the era but um yeah i thought so yeah this is obviously a, a, a blu-ray debut so i was gonna say where's there we go that one yeah yeah, yeah on my that. screen yeah yeah, it's a different film, but it's like... Yeah, it does look similar. Yeah, yeah. it's just Jedward and his fist. Uh, I thought I was seeing... A lot of those posters back in the day are just like the main character's big face and just a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, yeah around it, sorry. Around it. Yeah, but it's a great piece of art. But yeah, I just... I, I thought I was seeing things. I'm like, hey, I'm a sec, have I seen that before? But no, it's just they, they must have reused it and back yeah. in... Yeah. Same sort of thing, yeah, but it's like all that gangster sort of crime drama stuff is cool, especially for... The 30s, yeah, always fun to watch. Yeah, they just—it's cool that they're pulling it out of the vault, not letting them die. Yeah, yeah, and you can see like where films like Miller Crossing, Miller's Crossing, and stuff got influenced by these sort of 30s films. So yeah, go watch them; they're great. Mm. Miller's Crossing is a great choice there with Coen Brothers. Yeah, 30s stuff is so brilliant for what it is. There's so much they've done, and which we can appreciate now. We need to see a lot more of the stuff. You've got obviously the classics and that, what they are, but yeah, no, it's wonderful seeing stuff like this come to light because something we have an opportunity to see, it's not one I'm aware of, so I'm pretty damn keen to watch it. Mm. Looking forward to that one too. Um, okay, um, Ryan, did you want to do the next one as well? Yes, right. Next one The Scarlet Hour, number 152. She'll do anything for a thrill, including kill. An unhappy wife uses her powers of manipulation to draw an infuriated man into an ill-fated jewellery heist. In 1956, Paramount Studios expanded a great deal of money on the Scarlet Hour and enlisted the services of top-flight director Michael Kurtz. The result is an astounding and rarely seen film noir. Starring Carol Omart... Tom Troyan and Judy Lawrence. This is the first physical media release worldwide. That's a big thing. Our special features are a 1080p high def presentation on Blu-ray, a new audio commentary by noir expert and film noir foundation board member Alan K. Road, uh, original aspect ratio of 185.1, audio English LPCM 2.0 mono, uh, English subtitles for the hard of hearing and slipcase, limited edition slipcase for the first thousand copies. Now, kind of like it when they do like noirs on their own because that means, to me, it means like mm. this is too good to be in a box set. 
kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that fucking artwork. That that like um Blu-ray artwork, not the slipcase, kind of looks like an Italian kind of. It's got an Italian look to it. I thought that yeah, look kind of yeah, like they used to just be hand painted. Like, yeah, like a Pelushi. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. It's cool. A guy getting pushed around by a woman's like, go do this for me. It's like, ah, I'll do it. Because I love you. And things go sour. It's great. <laughs> yeah, thoughts, Tony? Well, I had not seen this. As you said, it's a rarely seen um, film noir. And, of course, Michael Curtiz, he's made some of the greatest movies ever made, especially um, Casablanca, uh, The Adventures of um, Robin Hood. And um, he's done many other films. But, of course, one of my personal favourites is one of his early pre-code films, The Mystery of the Wax Museum, which which then was remade into the 53 House of Wax with Vincent Bright. Mm. And, um, yeah, I've never seen this one, and I really can't wait. I love Michael Curtiz, and I'm sure this film will be a good one, no doubt. Uh, John, how about you? Yeah, well, one I haven't seen or really heard of, to be honest. So I'm, yeah, I'm very keen because, uh, like I said, I do like a good noir or crime film or heist film, I guess, from the era. Um, there's there were a few good ones around that time, like Asphalt Jungle. Uh, you know, just just sort of, you know, really, I guess, heist films like they go wrong in a sense that they're the more interesting ones. So yeah, I'm, I'm keen to check this out. Um, it's funny, the plot sounds awfully familiar to the one I watched the other night, the neo noir, the after dark my sweet there's a very not not a heist but a similar like you know drawing someone in to do do her dirty work um so yeah this is uh yeah this one i'm i'll yeah keen to chuck on as soon as i get it so i'm actually very intrigued yeah uh, william how about you yeah it's again one i don't know i apologize i probably should know but it sounds excellent um the cast looks great the whole plot looks amazing You've got Nat King Cole in there performing a song as well. You've got E.G. Marshall, who we all love from Creepshow, in there as well. So it's something I'm really keen to see. And as Ryan said earlier, it's just nice when they put a single noir by itself so you know it's worth the attention the time to see. Mm. So, yeah, it's one I'm keen to have a look at and really interested to see. Definitely. I'm really looking forward to it. All righty. Um, William? Would you like to do the next title? Okay. The next title is Secret of the Incas. This is um, 19, it's the imprint collection, 154. It's Charlton Heston starring as Harry Steele, an American treasure hunter, moonlighting as a tour guide in the jungles of Peru. He's on a quest to discover the sunburst, an ancient Incan treasure that has the power to build and destroy civilizations. So obviously this film is just so good. It's, uh, well, we all know where we obviously have seen this in the future from where this came from, like the Raiders. This is shot in location in, um, I, I can, I won't, it's filmed in Peru. I won't try to say that where it was filmed. So Machu Picchu. Machu Picchu. Thank you. I was going to sound like I sound like some type of bad um, yes, translation. Um, definitely credited as inspiration for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, you've got Charlton Heston, Robert Young, and uh, Nicola Murray in there. We've got special features. We've got 1080p high definition presentation on the Blu-ray. New audio commentary by film historian Philippa Berry. Uh, new interview with Chris Perrell on the influence of Raiders of the Lost Ark, which it obviously did. 
You've got the radio theatre version of it with Charlton Heston and Nicola Mara, 1954. That's really cool. I, I like when they do the radio stuff as well because it's a real throwback because I love the Super Ray stuff like Indicator and that do, but when they do the radio stuff, it's so cool because before we had, you know, moving pictures, we all have to use our imagination. So something like this is such a really great add-on to it. Mm. Um, the aspect ratio at 178.1, audio English at uh, LPCM2 mono, optional English H, uh, H, I can't even say that, HOM subtitles. It's limited edition to a slipcase with uh, 1,000 copies with the new artwork. Um, if you're going to do something, buy it. This is film is a really cool film. It's, it's often cited as before with the Indy Jones franchise for what it was. Um, the costume he wears in it is the same Indiana Jones outfit. He's wearing the brown leather jacket, the fedora, tan pants, over-the-shoulder bag, and revolver. You know, the character's often seen wearing a light beard, unusual film at this time. There's a tomb scene involving a revolutionary shaft of light similar to the map room sequence in Raiders. So this film I'm really, really keen to see. Um, i I wear my heart on my sleeve for Raiders of the Lost Ark. To me, it's such a homage to these type of films. And this film is obviously the predecessor, the king, per se. Uh, gentlemen, your thoughts. We'll go to you, Tony. I have never seen this one. And, of course, no doubt, of course, I've heard of it because it is. it was obviously inspired Raiders of the Lost Ark. And everybody knows that's an adventure masterwork. And with Charlton Heston, can't go wrong. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. And as you said, William, the um, looking forward to hearing the the radio versions because, as you said, prior to vi- prior to motion pictures, they had radio radio plays, which which let your imagination do all the work. And it was, it's it's great. Like for me, the, la- the, the as we discussed in the very first um, Blu-ray review of the War of the Worlds. Um, that radio program of Orson Welles and the Mercury Theatre doing War of the Worlds will always be a staple. It's one of my probably my um, one of my probably my favourite radio play that I've heard, and I'm looking forward to hearing this one. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to watching this film as well. Looking really can't wait. Uh, John, how about you? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm very keen. Uh, this is one that I, I'd heard of uh, because I I heard that it had influenced. Uh, Indiana Jones. I don't remember where I heard that, but I remember hearing about it because obviously Lucas and Spielberg took all their inspirations from like serials and sort of uh, shorts of the time. So yeah, just fun, pulpy yeah. uh, type stuff. So yeah, this, you know, like I said, um, once again, Charlton Heston, how can you go wrong? Great cast. It just looks like some real pulpy fun. And, and I love this, this sort of, uh, like I said, this sort of era of, of uh, adventure films so yeah i'm i'm very keen to check this out so i'll be um yeah watching this with excitement as soon as, as soon as i get it ryan how about you yeah it looks kind of cool early <laughs> indiana jones sort of stuff um i do like theater i don't have a lot of i haven't like listened to a lot of like theater plays you know apart from the war of worlds and like the goons do you all remember the goons mm-hmm. <laughs> <Like Milligan. laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> love them but yeah Right, looks kind of cool. I might get it. We'll see. <laughs> Not the biggest must-have for me at the moment. I think the first four, I'm just like straight in for. The next four, I'll see. 
No worries. <laughs> yeah. It's good hey. not being a completist. I saved money. <laughs> well, you're missing out. You're missing out here. Here's an opportunity to a really good film, my friend. It'll be around. <laughs> well, is that your I'll get the standard thousand. edition. It's all right. Pick up for Ryan. <laughs> Yeah, there's going to be one of us to go and, nah, I won't get it. <laughs> you get it. Nah, I'll get the 4K of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, William, do you want to read the next one? It'll be a pleasure. Now we're going to look at imprint collection number 155. We have Storm Center. This is Bette Davis, directed and co-scripted by Daniel Tessina. I can never say that, from here to eternity. This reflections on rights and responsibilities of citizens was a response to the anti-communist sentiment in the 1950s. A small-town librarian, Bette Davis, amazing actress, stands up to local press to remove a controversial book from the shelves on principle, not out of sympathy for its perspective. Also co-stars Brian Keith. Yay, Brian Keith is great. And Kim Hunter. She's brilliant too. Um... This looks really cool in a number of reasons. I'm not one for book bans. I think that's crap. You should never ban books. But I'm going to go on special features and I'm going to come back to what I'm saying. So special features, we've got 1080p high-definition presentation on a new 2K scan. We've got a new ordinary commentary professor and film scholar, Jason A. Noy. Uh, Hollywood on Trial, feature documentary narrated by John Hewson, 1976, Something to Watch, the Hollywood 10 short film. The original theatrical trailer, aspect ratio 178.11. We've got the audio English again to mono. We have the optional English subtitles. Again, only a thousand copies. So get onto it. All snooze and you will lose. Um, what I find interesting about this film is a film noir drama, um, but it's taking on communism and book banning. And obviously, this is a strong stance against censorship. You know, in the 50s, we had McCarthyism and what they did there, which was dreadful. So I'm really curious to see this film for what they say. It's got a great cast. It's got an interesting director. It's got a lot of stuff in there. This film looks really interesting. So um, I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to pass on to Tony what your thoughts are. Well, I'm a huge Betty Davis fan. I have and I have never seen this movie. And um, stories about the Hollywood Ten, the Blacklist, the McCarthy era—they've always appealed to me. Like especially um, George Clooney's um, "Good Night and Good Luck." That was yeah. one, that was probably my, one of my favorite films of 2005. Mm. But yeah, that that was great. I loved it. But it's also fascinating to hear about. The story event to see who was um who was blacklisted like um of course classic writer Dalton Trumbo who recently had an imp- who had an imprint release recently of Johnny Got His Gun yes Bing Lardner Jr. the Oscar winning screenwriter of the film Mash um I know the, the I, I know the actor the comic actor Zero Mostel from Mel Brooks's The Producers he was a he was blacklisted as well. As well as um, director Martin Ritt, who, um, who, believe it or not, did another, um, who directed another movie about the blacklist, um, which is probably one of my favourite Woody Allen movies that Woody mm. Allen did not direct, The Front. Oh, The Front, yeah. Yeah, 
that yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, like everyone who knows me knows I'm a Woody Allen fan, Woody Allen completist. As I said many times before, I follow the work. I don't care about the personal life. I only care about what's on the it's, screen. The front, the the front is a masterpiece. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It is yeah, phenomenal. It's great. And um, it's almost like a Woody Allen film without being a Woody Allen no, film. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Absolutely, and um, cookies. Oh. oh yes, but yeah, it was. It's a good one. Do yourself a favor. Watch the front when you can, if you can. But yeah, like movies about the Hollywood blacklist and the McCarthy era do appeal to me, and I'm really looking forward to this one. Uh, John, how about you? Uh, yeah, very keen. There's so many blacklists. The other big one for me is is Jules Dassin, who would had to take off mm. the city Europe to do. All, all his films, his masterpieces like Rafifi and, and Night in the City, because he couldn't couldn't do it in in the US, and uh, kind of worked out. Um, but yeah, no, it's I'm once again, it's one I'd heard of, but I haven't seen. So I'll, I'll be keen to check this out. And I think the subject matter is more relevant than ever. Obviously, we live in a very um, interesting time where censorship and and I, I hate to say the word cancel culture, but things are still going on to this day. So I find it very interesting this film covered that during that time period. I mean, not specifically, but it is it does focus on the topic of censorship, which I'm very passionate about in regards to I, I hate it. I think it shouldn't shouldn't exist. So yeah, so it's it's one that yeah, they're very keen to check out. So uh yeah, I'll, I'll be digging into this and obviously being a, a you know a big fan of um uh of of yeah B Davis, I'll be checking this out. So yeah, very keen. Uh, Ryan, how about you? Ryan, this yeah. you, Ryan. It's it's almost like that classic line, isn't it, John? It's like if you um, what's that um, if you don't know your history, you're doomed to repeat it. Yeah, kind of thing. So and that's pretty much yeah. what like the blacklist is nowadays. We're getting the new resurgence of the blacklist. Yeah, the blacklist. If people get blacklist and they get cancelled, and that's the blacklist. Yeah. Um. Also, I was going to say, Tony. Um, there's a film called Guilty's by Suspicion. It's another film about Blacklist. It stars Robert De Niro. And there's like a cameo with Martin Scorsese in it too. And he's like trying to tell De Niro to like leave, just leave the country. And he was like, no, fuck that. I didn't do anything <laughs> wrong. And it's great. It's a great like half court drama, half not. It's a real cool film. I completely forgot about Guilty by Suspicion. I haven't seen that in years. I have to give yeah. it a, I have to watch that again for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Good film. But yeah, I, I'm interested in this one. I'm interested in um, the Hollywood on trial, the feature doco for sure. Yeah. Um, I want to see more Betty Davis. I haven't seen a lot of Betty Davis sort of stuff. She's done so much stuff, and you know she's been around for such a long time, and she is truly a yeah for sure. Oh, yeah, the, fil- the films from the '30s to the late '40s—they're the greats. They're the great ones. Mm. Like, of course, yeah. um, probably her most famous ones would be. Um, from the 30s, Dark Victory, Jezebel, Dangerous, um, and um, of course, from the 40s, The Little Foxes, The Letter, so many other films. But mm. of course, everybody, when probably a lot of people will know her from the Hagsploitation era from the early 60s. Hag, yeah. Of course, um, well, of course Baby um, Jane. whatever happened to Baby Jane with Joan Crawford yeah. and Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte with Olivia de Havilland. Well, Those I, were really good ones. I keep thinking about the song they did, and it was the 80s, Betty Davis Eyes. Yeah. 
Yes, Kim mm. Carnes, yes. Kim Carnes, yes. thank you. I was trying to think it was. It was just driving me. Every time I was over, it was like, <laughs> Freddy dead guys. No, stop. <laughs> All righty. Um, John, how about time you name a title? Um, would you like to read <laughs> the next one? Uh, yes, so we have imprint 156, which is uh, Golden Boy. So uh, Betrayed by misled ambition reclaimed by a musician's heart Alrighty, so this is from 1939 uh, newcomer william holden becomes an overnight sensation in the role of a young violinist who turns to boxing and finds himself torn between his two occupations especially the, uh, when seductive uh, stanwick slinks into his life uh, based on the hit play by legendary clifford oditz and directed by innovative genius Ruben um, Mamelin. Uh, Golden Boy packs just as big of a punch today as it did when it came out in 1939. Widely considered the greatest movie year ever. Uh, so this obviously stars William Holding, Barbara Stanwyck, um, Adolf Menju, uh, and Lee J. Cobb. Mm. So this special edition includes a 1080p high definition presentation from a new 2K scan. Uh, it includes a new audio commentary by film historian Drew Casper, uh, Cresta Blanca Hollywood Players Radio Drama, Golden Boy featuring John Garfield, uh, the Benny Jack, uh, sorry, the Jack Benny Radio Show, Golden Boy with Barbara Stanwyck. It's very cool. A uh, new interview with director, broadcaster, and journalist Barry Forshaw. Original aspect ratio 1.33. Uh, uh, audio English LPCM 2.0 mono. Optional English subtitles. And it's a limited edition uh, with to a thousand copies with the unique artwork and slipcover. Um, yeah, this is one I, I hadn't. Uh, I once again I have not heard of. So I'm, I'm very keen. Obviously, uh, yeah, I, I know the cast very well um yeah very keen to check this one out especially one that involves um you know boxing i guess because there's a few really good sort of films from the time period um and it, particularly um later on in the 50s as well films like champion and whatnot just sort of these not so much about the sport but just obviously about the the, the boxes themselves they're always very interesting characters and they usually go down a quite a dark path a lot of boxer films so yeah i'm, I'm very excited for this um and it's yeah it's, it just seems like a classic one from the from the the golden age i guess 939 um tony have you heard this one what do you think of this title <clears throat> no i haven't heard of golden boy but um but i do i do love the director ruben mamoulian um he made some really good films but probably my all-time favorite River Mamoulian film will be his 1931 film of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde with Frederick March. Mm, yeah. That's probably my favorite film of his. And, it's, and of course, the cast like William Holden, Barbara Stanwyck, Adolf Menju, and Lee J. Cobb, I'm really looking forward to this one. And um, yeah, so 1939, of course, fantastic year, as of everybody would know. The big one was, of course, Gone with the Wind and The Wizard of Oz. Uh, the, the Hunchback of Notre Dame with, um, with Charles Lawton as, um, as Quasimodo. Uh, there's just so many films that came out in 1939. But, and, of course, Benny Davis again in Dark Victory. Just, just too many to mention. But um, 1939 was a fantastic year for cinema in general. 
And I am really excited to watch Golden Boy. Looking looks really good. Yeah, just that cast and mm, yeah, the cast yeah, alone, yeah. Yeah, Barbara Stanwyck, and this is pre-Double Indemnity. This was, I think, a couple of years before. So, yeah, yeah so, because I think that was 44 or something. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah, just just looks amazing for the golden age. Uh, William, what do you think of this one? Good, sir. Um, I was a bit on the edge about this whole film because I'm not one for sports films and stuff, but he's a violinist and he's a boxer. So I'm suddenly on board with it because it's such an eclectic sort of <laughs> range for what they are. Uh, I didn't realise like Lee Joe Cobb is in there. Any Lee Joe Cobb, I'm sold with. Uh, I was just looking at some of their production stuff before, and I'm looking at like they purchased the play for a thousand dollars. Originally, they were going to get it directed by Frank Capra, which is pretty interesting, I thought. And actors considered for the role of Joan Bonaparte include John Garfield, which is pretty interesting. Mm. They also considered people like Eliza Kazrin. Richard Carlson and Tyrone Plower. So it's like really interesting. But the director, Robin, I can never say his name, I apologize, was in Hollywood in seeing his screen test and convinced Columbia to purchase 50% of Holden's contract from Parliament's picture. Um, it was his first film and it jumpstarted his career. So obviously he had a great eye for actors. So it's one I'm curious to see actually now, hearing what you both said about it so far. So yeah, I'm on board. Very cool. Yes. Um, and uh, Ryan, Ken, what do you think of this one, Kendall? It's like, you already know there's going to be a scene where he's going to have busted up hands because he's a vin- violinist and a boxer. So, you know, he's like, I want to play violin, but my fingers, I can't. They're broken. <laughs> can't play no more. <laughs> yeah. I can't play no fiddle no more. <laughs> I can already see a scene in this film of that. The sad violent music. Yeah, literally. <laughs> oh. I hope you might get their violin stick and then just go fighting with that. It's just like, you know, yeah. <laughs> Turn Sorry. to an actual bow and get some arrows and stuff. Why not? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, it's kind of cool. I'm kind of interested. It's, it's cool because it's like 39 and it'll be like, you know, it's young William Holden. It's also like a young Lee J. Cobb too. Because yes. I'm so used to like seeing him yeah. in like the 50s and 60s, he's like just the you know the angry stockbroker <laughs> kind of guy with the gut and you know pointing his finger. Going, rah, 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 rah. So you know it'd be kind of cool to see him like 20 years before, almost. Uh, I'll always see Lee J. Cobb as Kinderman from The Exorcist. That's the only. Oh. That's how I'll always. Oh see yeah, yeah. Hold on. Yeah. yeah. I always, yeah, I always picture him just like him, just being angry, pointing his finger in twelve angry men, yeah. <laughs> just like <laughs> pointing his finger. And I'm like, yeah, that's what you're doing back in the day to act. Mm. You just point a finger angrily. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't point it straight to. It's kind of like tilted up as well. It's like, <laughs> like he's just shoving it up you. <laughs> oh yes, it's great. I love Lee. So good. Two Lees that I love. Lee J. Cobb and Lee Gavin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alrighty, and John, did you want to do the last title of the of the month of August? Yes, yeah, so the last title is The World of Susie Wong. Uh, let me, sorry, let's get that. 
Sorry, let's get the page up. Oh, yes. So, The World of Suzy Wong, 1960, imprint collection number 157. All right. So, uh, the most tender and touching love story of our time. Uh, William Holding and Nancy Kwan star in this soul-searching look um, at East meets West romance. He's a struggling American artist who's down on his luck. She's a beautiful Chinese prostitute who captures his heart. The scenery is as spectacular as the colourful and exotic streets of Hong Kong in this wonderfully warm story about the strength of true love. Uh, Nancy Kwan was nominated for the Golden Globe Award for Best Actress and um, uh, and that's motion picture drama. Uh, George Dunning was nominated for the Golden Globe Award for Best Original Score. And this stars William Holding, Nancy Kwan and Sylvia Sims. Uh, and there's a quote here from New York Times, a wildly romantic, vividly imagined film. Uh, so this is a big box. It's a limited edition, two-disc hard box edition with unique artwork, once again to a 1,000 copies. Um, so disc one, we get The World of Susie Wong. Now, this is a 1080p transfer um, uh, on high definition. Uh, we have a new audio commentary by film historian Lee Pfeiffer and Paul Scrabo. A uh, new video essay from the lasting fashion influence by cinema fashion historian Alyssa Rose. Here you go. Uh, to whom it may concern, uh, Ka Shen's Journey, Brian Jamison's feature documentary on the life uh, journey of Asian star Nancy Kwan, theatrical trailer, original aspect ratio 1.78, audio English LPCM 2.0 mono and optional English subtitles. Uh, the second disc, disc two, is Hollywood Chinese. Hollywood Chinese is Arthur Dong's feature documentary on Chinese influences on Hollywood. Uh, the Curse of Kwong Gong, that's a silent film from 1917. Uh, imagining the Curse of Kwong Gong, a visit with daughters of Violent Wong, oh, sorry, Violet Wong. Uh, flower drum song news premiere footage. Early silent clips, early sound eclipse, interview and dialogues with Ang Lee, uh, Joan Chen, Nancy Kwan, and more. Uh, aspect ratios to be determined, and same with the audio uh, language. Um, <clears throat> so this is one I'm very intrigued on. Um, it's one I, I have seen years ago. This is one that popped up on TV, and uh, I remember it just vividly because it's actually – I. I can't recall, but it just shows the streets of Hong Kong from that time period, and um, and which is just a fascinating look into the culture of of this sort of era in this in the fifties, transitioning into the sixties. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because um, Susie Wong, I think she was uh, uh, sorry, uh, Susie Wong, uh, Nancy uh, Kwan, sorry, was um, American Asian, um, and so she she did a lot of interesting films around that time. So this was a bit of a big breakout quite controversial film for its time so yeah I, I, it's one I, i'm looking forward to revisit um uh, once again the documentary sounds fascinating um because uh, yeah it's something i really want to know about sort of i guess hollywood films um and the the thing about this film is actually is like a proper asian cast we don't have a bunch of you know um uh mickey rooney's, rooney's. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's actually yeah it's actually like a proper asian cast uh you know film from memory in hong kong um because obviously the the british influence at the time so uh just a fascinating look into old hong kong which is you know sadly no more for obvious reasons but it's uh yeah it just looks like a 
interesting uh, film and, and to discover. So, uh, Tony, what do you think about this one? Uh, I have not seen, <clears throat> excuse me, I have not seen The World of Susie Wong and I can't wait. I really, from what you, from what you just read, it looks like a beautiful love story and I'm really looking forward to watching it. But the also the other thing I'm really looking forward to watching is the Hollywood Chinese documentary about the Chinese influence in Hollywood. That would be really good. And um, especially with the interviews with one of my favorite Asian directors, Ang Lee, mm. and Joan Chen and Nancy Kwan, and of course many others. But of course Joan Chen, I'll always remember her as uh, always remember her from Twin Peaks and. Um, Nancy Kwan, of course, is the main in, in this one, but I have, but I'm really, I really can't wait to watch this, big time. Very cool, uh, Kendall. What do you think of this set? Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of cool. Like as you were saying before, like the influence, and like it's kind of a big thing too. Back in the day, it was this, in 1960 for like Hollywood to kind of like do an Asian film. And have Asian people being <laughs> like, you know, they're not getting whites to be Asian. So it's kind of like a sort of like a big step back in the day to actually like do that, you know, mm. which is kind of cool. Um, I have heard the name Susie Wong before. I don't know where, but I've heard it so many times throughout the years. It's weird. I don't know where I heard it, but I've heard it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it looks kind of cool. I'm interested with that um, Hollywood Chinese um, doco. This is with all the docos. So I just want to know more yeah. about that. It's kind of like one of those things, like I want to know more about like the time period than the films. <laughs> like the films look cool, sure. But I'm like the docos here, I'm like more interested in. <laughs> it's yeah, the me. What was that? I'm saying it's like the meat on the potato because you've got the film there that's a filling production for what it is, but you've got these documentaries that provide like the the, the fulfillment of what it is. So yeah, deeper insight in like the world of like what they were dealing yes. with too. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I, it's an interesting film for what it is. It's like 1960s. At least they're actually producing the characters there instead of, uh, as you were saying before, white facing or whatever you want to call it for what they did for characters back then but um it's great they've got actual people playing themselves instead of pretending um, you know some other culture um so yeah now i'm really curious to see this one myself actually yeah it definitely is a bit groundbreaking and nancy kwan like from what i was researching she uh kind of broke into hollywood i guess um i guess being half asian half american um she had this unique look to her and and uh and i guess you know she was able to make a career in hollywood um you know and, and be a leading lady so it's yeah quite a groundbreaking figure for a time so yeah that's it and that documentary will definitely give a lot of context as well so cool i think that's it for the month yeah that's august Mm. That's the August month of um, the imprint releases, all to be released 31st of August 2022. But downside subject is, to change, <laughs> subject to change. That's right. And, but, but the downside <laughs> is 
1,000 copies of each title. So if you after, if you want to get them, grab them while you can. That's interesting. I think is that the first change, Tony? I, I think in terms of print runs. That's like... Well, I think the the first lowest change was that um the Jim the Jim Sheridan box that was a thousand. Ah but yes. Then, but then there was two thousand. Then there was fifteen hundred. I think the I think the June releases are fifteen hundred each. Mm. But I think yeah, um, August is definitely um the lowest. One thousand copies of each title. So, That's what um, I thought. It does seem low from the other periods because yeah, yeah. fifteen hundred has been the main one, hasn't it? Well, two thousand has been the main one, but um yeah, but then it went down to fifteen. But then of course yeah. Jim Sheridan was a thousand. But um but now the rest of the but now August seems to be a thousand each. Well. To be honest, it's probably a bad thing for them to do because obviously they release a thousand there. They do sell out, and that's the thing. By doing it this way, you get the standard edition, but unless you step up, you won't get the bonus of having the deluxe edition. So yeah. from a business perspective, I can understand why they're doing it. And to me, it's sort of common sense. It's like you can't make... 20 million copies of something, otherwise you end up with this something that's just hopeless. So by limiting what they're doing and making the people who really appreciate what they do, they have an opportunity of embracing it. So to me, it's the right thing to do. And I'm really pleased that this company exists in Australia, so I would not like to be audience from somewhere overseas, diabolical. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Absolutely. It's kind of funny you say that because, like, has there been a standard release lately? No, I thought because it has been a while since there's been like a standard uh, release. I think the last standard but, release in memory was Fire in the Sky and Hard Eight. Yeah, I I, and they're the like last, fucking early in the series, too. Yeah, I think they were the last ones to yeah. memory. I could be wrong, but um, but there yeah. was I can remember. Well, I yeah. think, I think. Uh, I don't know Tony, if we can mention this, but I think we were having a chat with some of the, obviously, from Inprint. Uh, I think the standard editions, I think the vibe is that they may devalue the product. I don't want to say it, but they just, like, it's Inprint is Inprint. It's, like, known as a brand. And the, the blue cases and, and, you know, I don't know. It's it's just, like, I feel like they, they need to be, like, that limited series. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, okay. That's a, a really good point, actually, in respect of they're making the brand sort of more loyal for what it is. So you know when you're buying it, you know what you're getting. You're not going to get a watered-down release later on. We can look at other companies that mm. do that, but that's a really good point. In respect of yeah. keeping the numbers limited so they make the profit back for themselves, it works. And therefore, you invest in the company. They invest in us by giving us this these films. Yeah. And reward yeah, okay. them in early. Like, yeah. Mm. Yeah, because I think maybe yeah, no, that makes sense. Just like wasn't like well, it was becoming yeah. like standard editions are being treated just like a standard like JB title. It wasn't like a you yeah. know, bargain bin. And, you know, it shouldn't be treated like that. So. Well, imprint calling out to you guys now. Do a subscription. <laughs> yeah, think about the twenty twenty. Think about a subscription. <laughs> no, that's actually not a bad idea. <laughs> I could do it. I reckon it would work. It's like, you know, do a subscription yearly, blah, blah, blah. You pay. It'd work. Mm, would. Yeah, like 1200 a year. Yeah. Not even. Shut up. Pay more. Take my money. God, 1500 
<laughs> God damn it. Not from discount, if saying that. Yeah. Oh, wow. All righty. Um, now, this past Friday, May 27th, was Imprint's second anniversary. Mm. They've been up for, they've been they've been running for two years and now they've done 157 titles. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they don't plan on stopping soon. They have mammoth title launchings in the coming months, including more worldwide first to Blu-ray, limited edition hard box sets, more director collections, and even their very first imprint steelbook. Ooh. I'm actually looking forward to that one. But but I'm but John, you know me. I'm not a fan of steel books. I don't. I don't like them. I never. Oh, this is where he's not a completist. He's no, not... I, don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't like steel books. But I will be getting the imprint one because I have I have every one of them so far to date. Well, they they might do a standard or not standard. but might have to do like a standard case with the steel book. Kind of yeah, like what true, I wrote... but I'll still get the steel book. Third special. <laughs> How about they do a steel book that's in a hard box? Mm. Well, that's why. There we go. <laughs> <Why? laughs> Hide it away. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like let's not let's have both. <laughs> well, don't get me wrong. I, I have a few steel books in the collection, but um, but I'm just not a fan of them because um, I haven't got the right plastic protective material, you know, so they avoid scratches and all that, which is ah. What, what, of, what, 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 how do you scratch a steelbook? What are you playing well, with them or something? No, you just well, sit on a shelf. They get dust. No, if you shelve them in your, into your collection, and they could scratch, you never know. Gen- uh, they're very fragile. General shelfware, you'd yeah. be surprised. Well, and uh, some of those old arrow ones are starting to like go all funky on me. Like they're starting to, like the paint's starting to chip them almost. You just need to dust them more. You know, you get you're letting the dust eat away at the paint. Yeah. You just need dust it. <laughs> so yeah, I wonder what their first steel book will be. Yeah, it will be interesting. What um other director would they do? Can you guess? Oh, um, a Kramer one would be good actually. Um, maybe even mm-hmm. um, oh, so many great directors out there. John Schlesinger, um, John Sayles, Kubrick is Warner Brothers, <coughs> so that might be, uh, maybe even Abel Ferrara. That'll be interesting. Oh, yeah, Abel would be fucking oh, sick. I'd do Abel. Oh, I'd do Abel Ferrara also. I love I love Abel Ferrara. Yeah, uh, MS forty five. Oh god, yeah, that'd be a nice box. Yeah, that won't be releasing. <laughs> I don't think Australia would be like, yeah, sure. Or MS-45. <laughs> yeah. But you know what's funny? In Marrickville here in Sydney, um, next week, they're actually screening MS-45. Oh, really? At the Pink Flamingo oh, Cinema. God. You suck. I want to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I do. Honestly, on the big screen, that'd be amazing. Oh, mm. would be. Well, should they would be interesting if they could do like an Australian director? Mm, yes, Wrong. Australian director will be will be will be Project. ideal. I've got that. Um, who? Sorry, probably Australian director. Probably Bruce Beresford. Maybe even Peter Weir. Some of his other films besides yeah, Cars Eight Paris. Cars Eight Paris. Yeah, that that needs an upgrade. Yeah. Um, okay. Philip Noyce, you feel like course. Umbrella oh. might be doing that stuff though at some point. 
them because they've they've got the Australian stuff by the throat, which is good. They're giving it what it deserves lately. So I'll tip my hat for them. They're not doing the wizard vision lately, which is amazing. So what's the wizard vision? Umbrella used to do DVDs and. Yeah, DVDs there, but I think that might be fading off soon. DVD releases. <laughs> mm. Nah, they're still releasing Daniel Steele. There's always Daniel Steele to release. <laughs> or, or, or six pack shooter westerns, of course. Six pack, yeah. Nine pack. Yeah. yeah, no, no, no. Okay, well, congratulations, Imprint, for your two years, and you're still mm. going strong. Keep them coming. We can't wait for them. And also, thank you. Sorry. Sorry, William? So I say 20 more years, please. 20 more (laughs) years, absolutely. (laughs) And um, thank you all for listening. And, of course, thank you to my my guests, to to my colleagues, um, John, Ryan, and William. Great to have you back. So good to to chat to you again. Can't wait to chat soon. No, thank you. Thank you. It's fun. It's always fun. Yes, and I know I've said it many times, but this time I'm really serious. Fire in the Sky is definitely coming. We We will be recording it this week, and um, it is coming very soon because of scheduling with our our, um, first member. It's been a little difficult, so we will be definitely doing that one soon. And we've got our second member getting ready for his poll, his or her poll, very soon. And... We'll get we'll sort that out in our groups. And speaking of our groups, if you'd like to follow us on our Facebook groups of the Imprint Films Blu-ray Collection fan group and the Imprint Cast Facebook group pages, please follow us and um, we'll discuss everything Imprint. And um, and I guess that's a wrap on the episode. Thank you all for joining. Thank you all for listening. And John, Ryan, and William, once again, thank you for being a part and speak to you soon. Bye. Cheerio. We'll see you then. Pleasure. Thank you guys. Thank you.